Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How did get 30, 30, get 30, bet get 20, 20, 20, bet get 20, 20, bet get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. A new year is full of surprises. But one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts of up to 89% off USPS and UPS services. So when postage goes up, your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com is like your own personal post office, wherever you are. You can even take care of orders on the go with the mobile app. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Schedule package pickups, automatically find the cheapest and fastest shipping options, and seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. There's even a supply store where you can stock up on mailing supplies, labels, even printers. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. All you need is a computer or phone and printer. Take a chunk out of your mailing and shipping costs this year with Stamps.com. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com code PROGRAM. Just a quick heads up for you Wood Talk fans. Since day one, Wood Talk episodes have always been posted at all the co-host websites. This is a bit redundant, and unfortunately it created some serious confusion for newcomers who headed to the Wood Talk online forum and couldn't find the episodes. So from now on, the podcast's official home can be found at woodtalkshow.com. That's where you'll find the latest episodes, the show notes, and the entire Wood Talk archive. Welcome to Wood Talk Online Radio. For woodworkers, by woodworkers. Now here are three guys who are actually under the illusion that woodworking is cool. Mark, Matt, and Shannon. Oh yeah, it's episode 105 for October 17th, 2012. On today's Woo-hoo. show, yeah, I mean, right? October 17th, what's not to be happy about? On today's show, we're going to do a little Woodworking in America recap, and of course, a regular selection of shop stories, links, voicemails, and emails, and we'll even have a couple of voicemails from folks who also attended Woodworking in America in Pasadena, specifically, and we'll put those at the end of the show, so make sure you stick around and listen to them. Matt, how about you tell them how they can get in touch with us? That's right. You know what? You, everybody probably needs to dust off either their computer so that they can email us or maybe dust off your phone because it's been a long time since you've heard any of this information. And I know that you only come to your computers or your phones just for us. But if you have any comments, questions, suggestions about something you're going to hear in today's show or something you'd like to hear on an upcoming episode, you have several different ways that you can contact us. Either by Skype, look for us at Wood Talk Online, or call our voicemail at 623-242-5180. Don't forget, you can email us at woodtalkonline at gmail.com. You can visit our individual sites at thewoodwhisperer.com, com, con, com, <laughs> renaissancewoodworker.com, <laughs> badspacementworkshop.com, and don't forget about the forums at woodtalkonline.com. There was nothing funny about that, but I, I really, that tickled me. I don't know why. <laughs> well, so I, something I was starting to think, I'm like, is that like a Freudian slip, like con? con. Like, am I trying to imply something about these guys? I don't know. And, but- and maybe, put myself in a better light. Maybe the do, woodworking. Do you ever American wonder if we're laughing with you or at you, Matt? Oh, I have no doubt that you're laughing at me. 
So, yes. Right. And uh, that's pretty much all the contact information. <laughs> of course, we'll have the information on the website bit. while I'm trying to ignore these two jokers. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a while since we did the show. I think we're a little rusty today. Um, yeah, I guess we were going to do our live call-in show, right? And that just kind of was a bust. The, the, the thing with the, the live call-in show is we got to do it at a time when people are actually home. And that, that tends to be the most difficult thing. And then last week was uh, woodworking in America, so it was a little bit tough to coordinate all that. So we'll, we will do like a full call-in show. We promise it does exist somewhere in the future. Um, there just there just may be a soccer game going on in the background. It's, it's <laughs> Matt screaming at some kid's soccer game. Get the ball! Well, yeah. well the good news Hopefully is it'll I, be Aiden's soccer game and not some other kid's soccer game. Oh, that, that could be really creepy. easily confused out on those fields. Trust me, there's so many games going on and there's stuff flying left and right. <laughs> All the kids look the same anyway. So, uh, yes, they do actually. Well, luckily for us tonight, there was lightning, so I just got an email from the coach saying there's no practice, and I'm like, that's cool. I don't even know where my kid is. So, what? Suck yeah. it up. Lock it off. I said the same thing. The ball's made of rubber. The the ball's made of rubber. They have sneakers. They'll be fine. Yeah, I'm like, if you smell ozone, don't worry about it. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so let's get into our What's on the Bench segment. Shannon, how about you uh, kick it off? What's on the bench these days? Well, um, I, for some reason, have been thrown into a whole bunch of volunteer work. So, uh, of course, the... For some some reason, uh, explain this to me. For some reason, and volunteer... Doesn't that actually answer the reason why? You can learn this word, which I had a hard time with, but many, many people have said this to me, mainly women. Uh, no. No, yes. <laughs> no means no. Well, you know, at the same time, it is fun. I mean, I'm, I'm building stuff, but sure. the, uh, the Stepping Stone Museum is technically closed for the season, but there's a bunch of repairs. So I'm, I'm building a, a gate, which is more like timber framing than anything else, which is kind of cool. Hmm. And then um, I just started uh, a bunch of molding, uh, sash molding for the visitor center of the house. And it turns out we're going to need 192 linear feet of it. Hey, so, nice. Yeah. So I got eight feet of it done. <laughs> so I'm well on my way. Only and 184 then, to go. And woohoo. And, and then I actually am doing some molding for um, uh, columbarium, those things you store ashes in, in uh, the chapel, like the basement chapel of our church. And stupid me, I thought, well, this will be a good opportunity to, to, try my hand at that egg and dart carving I've been doing lately. And then I found out I would need 60 linear feet of that. So I said, no, I'm just <laughs> going to do a simple little acanthus leaf thing instead right? because I can batch that out much, much faster. So let's just say I did a fair amount of egg and dart practice. I probably did about six linear feet of that. And it was like, cool, I know how to do this now. Now I'm ready to stop. So <laughs> nice. that's all I'll be doing there. Very cool. You know, speaking of carving, uh, I'll talk about this a little bit later, but I got to see Mary May in action uh, with the acanthus leaf carving. Awesome. Yeah. I'll talk about it a little more later. Just just a little hint. That that was actually one of the things, if I could have made it out to Pasadena, I really wanted to check out some of her her classes. And unfortunately, I won't be heading to Cincinnati, but I think she's making an appearance there. So, Oh, really? uh, Dude, just just join her online thing. It's awesome. Yeah. Oh, oh, she's an online thing? Considering she films most of her classes and then puts it online, it's a very identical experience. Wait a minute. There's other things out there online for woodworking than the three of us? How's that possible? <laughs> if you could believe it, yeah. yeah. Other, other people mm. actually do this. It's crazy. Oh, that's cool, though. I'm going to actually make a, mo- <laughs> a note of that, and I will go check out Mary's stuff because that's, that is one thing that I am even more afraid of than a lathe is 
uh, carving. That stuff just really, really scares me. Yeah, it's 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 in, well. What's amazing about it is the little bit that I've done. It just when you when you see other people do it, it just looks like so easy. You know, so oh, I could totally do that. But then you actually go and try it yourself. It's a little bit of a different story because I mean, more more so than just about anything. And I mean, Shannon, you with all your hand tool shenanigans, you you know this more than anyone. But you know, understanding. Uh, I'm totally getting that domain hand tool shenanigans. <laughs> hand tool shenanigans. There you go. You're welcome. <laughs> Uh, you know, just understanding a, a wood in all possible, a piece of wood in all possible dimensions. And when you're carving, you really have to get in there. And it's not just like taking a pencil to paper. This is paper that fights back. So you have to know yeah. wh- which direction to go. And, and just because you, you can maneuver your hand that way doesn't mean that that's the best way for the wood uh, to take the tool going through it. So it's, it, it is a very complex thing. But if you watch someone who's experienced and who knows what they're doing, they just fly through it and you get this sort of... Well, False Add to the fact that sometimes you recognize the grain, you're going against the grain, and there's not a dang thing you can do about it. Exactly. And you have to manipulate the chisel uh, to work against the grain or, or across the grain. I mean, it, it really, it's, um, well, I mean, I took a class with Chuck Bender, and we spent, what, three days doing nothing but talking about grain direction. Yeah. Oh, and there were some chisels in there, too. But, I mean, that was, <laughs> you're right. I mean, that's really it. Um, what's crazy to me though, with somebody like Mary is how clean her carving is. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's disturbing. You hear about people talk about, oh, sandpaper, that's silly. She actually means it. Like, I think she has a piece of sandpaper. Yeah. I mean, the, the work she does is just dumbfounding. It's good stuff. Um, you know what? Let's, let's give everybody the link. What is the link to her website while we're talking about it? Uh, is it her name? Mary May com. It's bookmarked. <laughs> Uh, yeah, one I think it's, second. I think it's Mary- everybody. Everybody go to Shannon's computer and you will click <laughs> on the bookmark up in the right hand corner. Yeah, MaryMayCarving.com. Yeah, and that's, that's she's got links to her online school. There's her blog. Uh, very, very talented, experienced, and learned uh, woman who is just amazing when it comes to carving. Yeah. Good stuff. And her school is like ridiculously cheap. Yeah, I couldn't stuff. tell you that either because I'm on an auto rebuild pay thing. So. <laughs> I think it's ten, yeah, ten dollars a month is what it says. So. Yeah, good stuff. Definitely well check it, it out. In that sure. case, I'm going to check that out tonight while I'm sitting on the couch with Samantha, and she's like, "What are you doing?" I'm like, "Looking at Mary May's stuff." Oh, oh sure it is mobile. It is mobile friendly too, by the way. Oh no, which is you know, which is key, I think. Yeah. One of the things that dumbfounds me with any type of carving is just the fact that um, I'm the type of person that when I see something, I just want to, I'm going to finesse that one spot there. I want, no, I need to free. Oh yeah. That. You know, and that that to finesse me is until. Damn it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So now rather than being one eighth inch proud of the of the surface, it is now flush with the surface. <laughs> there you go. It's perfect. Yeah. Yeah, it's a it's a tricky thing. Definitely something to get into though. Um so on a much less elegant uh topic, I, I installed ductwork this week. I did see something about that. No, that's <laughs> thrilling. Uh, yeah, really exciting stuff. Um, if you ever, so how many metal cuts did you have there? Are you like bandaged to heck? Or <laughs> I did really well, and the reason is because of the stuff that I used. I went with Nordfab ductwork. Have you guys uh, familiar with this stuff at all? I'm familiar with the name, but not any more than that. Okay. Just- well, basically, nope. it's your your sort of industrial metal ductwork, very, very thick gauge material. And at the ends, it's got this uh, sort of rolled edge on it. Mm. So it's a little bit thicker at the very the very end there. And the cool thing is they have this clamping system where you put two pieces together. This little U-shaped clamp goes around, you cinch it down, and it's got a little rubber gasket on the inside of the clamp. And that basically brings those two rolled edges together and cinches it closed and it's airtight. And that's it. So putting two pieces together is like boom, boom, clamp, done. 
so compared to like other systems that I've used in the past where I'm putting like sheet metal screws together uh, to, you know, to take a transition to, to a length of pipe, what a nightmare that is compared to this stuff. Um, but it's, it's not cheap. Of course, it's, it's pretty expensive. Uh, but if you're doing it and you're doing it right and you don't plan on, you know, moving anytime soon, uh, it's, it's definitely, which I don't anymore. If you could believe it, um, this stuff is fantastic. So it's called Nordfab, N-O-R-D-F-A-B, and it was awesome. So I, I did the entire uh, duct installation in about a day, uh, and I, I did a little bit of preparation ahead of time, just kind of getting up on a ladder, marking the location of the trusses, just so that I know exactly where I'm driving my screws when the time comes. Um, but I had the layout done and everything, and everything was installed within about a day. So stuff goes together really, really fast. So that's uh, that's how I spent my days since I came back from WIA. Um, really, really good stuff, though. Well, let me ask you this, because one thing is, and this will kind of like lead into what's going on with my bench, um, is or what's on my bench, I should say, next to it, actually. Um, I've been thinking about getting some rigid duct work for my uh, dust collection system because yeah. I've got, you know, the plastic lines going every which way. It works fine, but I know that I'm losing a lot of suction. Uh, oftentimes with these prefab systems, you have to usually go with like a, a specific length that they offer. Is this something that you could modify? Like if you say, oh, I only need six feet mm-hmm. rather than eight feet. Is this something you could easily modify and still take advantage of that locking system or they yeah, have like another way to take care of that? It's not immediately obvious when you look at it, but they sell um, a part. And it's it's got a great name. It's called a nipple. Oh, and uh, when I got two of those. <laughs> yeah, me too. On board at all times. Um, yeah, so you, you buy a little. Three. Th- Ew. All right, Chandler. <laughs> Ew. Uh, <laughs> what, what, what? That's. Uh, I'm thinking of a bad joke. Never mind. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so imagine that. Conversation. Forget about it. Yeah, I'm not even going to say it. Um, so yeah, they sell these these nipples, and they're about 12 inches long, and. The idea is it's got a rolled edge on both ends, and it also comes with a rubber O-ring on it. So what you do is you cut your main pipe length to whatever length you want, and maybe a few inches shorter than that, uh, and then you slide this nipple piece on, and you roll the little O-ring over to the cut side. Would you call that a nipple ring? It is once the uh, ring is on there. That's a good point. Good marketing strategy. But uh, yeah, roll the little O-ring up to the rolled edge of the nipple, and then the uh, clamps will work. The same exact clamps work there too. Uh, so instead of having a rolled edge on your long pipe, you now have that, that uh, rubber O-ring, and that's sitting right next to the rolled end of the nipple. So the two of them together make that nice, clean connection. Uh, okay. And you got a little bit of a, since it's 12 inches long, you've got a little bit of telescoping ability there. So if you want to fine-tune to the you know nearest inch or two, uh, you could do that too with that system. So absolutely awesome. And and you would think, you know, cutting this stuff can be a pain in the butt. Like um, when I've done snap snap lock metal pipe in the past, I've used like uh, snips to cut it myself by hand. What a pain in the butt. That, uh, that's exactly what I keep picturing. And I'm like, oh, I just yeah. don't want to do that. I don't want the hand cramps. I don't want to deal with the cuts. No, everything it's else. a nightmare. So all you have to do for this stuff, just get a drill, drill about a quarter inch hole, big enough to take your uh, metal cutting jigsaw blade and put it on the floor, put the blade in the hole and track around and just kind of rotate the pipe as you're cutting and hold the jigsaw still. And it cuts through in no time. So uh, for any cuts you need to make, it's super fast, super easy. Um, you know, the one thing I wanted to mention and the lesson learned here is the, the dust collection system I have now uh, is the CV1800 by Clearview. It's really, I mean, I got one that has a bigger impeller than my last one and the intake chute is a little bit bigger. So that will increase the, uh, the air movement a little bit. 
but not dramatically that I enough that I would actually be like, oh my gosh, that's a huge difference than what I had before. But um, I hooked up my jointer, and my jointer still had clogs from the last setup at the other shop, so it was still loaded with dust because that things were just falling apart. My my ductwork at the other shop was just horrible. So I hooked everything up, had it set up properly, and just as a test, I turned it on and just watched the the chips go like right up. I mean, with with incredible force. So the lesson learned here is no matter how good your dust collection system is or the cyclone, because again, this is the same. It's just a new version. It's the same cyclone I had before. The only difference here is the ductwork. So if you have the most powerful system in the world, if you screw up the ductwork and you do just you break all the good dust collection ductwork rules, um, it doesn't matter how powerful the system is. You will kill the airflow, and you just won't get the collection that you need at each and every tool. Um, so, so that was kind of a, a interesting lesson. Uh, it's nice to be on this side of it, though, to to see things getting better instead of worse. But uh, <laughs> yeah, well, no kidding. you know, I, and I think that applies. <clears throat> excuse me on any level. I mean, obviously I have a dust collector. Mm-hmm. I don't have a system because, well, <laughs> I mean, yeah, you, you have a broom and a dustpan. It, it, basically it's a glorified shop vac. We'll just put it that way. <laughs> yeah. But you know, I do, I do still use my thickness planer a fair amount and I just have the hose that comes off of it. Right. And you know, it hooks into the back of the, the DeWalt 13 inch or the 735, I think is what it is. The mm-hmm. little lunchbox thing. And the hose, um, is quite heavy, so it automatically sags right as it comes off the machine. Right, and never really noticed it, but I kept getting so much, so many chips inside the the uh, planer itself that it was affecting yeah. the uh, adjustability of it. Uh. And you know that has a, a chip ejection system, and it's even got its own fan in there, so it's <laughs> right. usually never a problem. Mm-hmm. And I kept thinking, what's wrong with this? Is like the dust chute not sealed properly? And finally, one day, I was like, you know, I wonder if this. It's not really a kink in the hose, but for lack of a better term, this kink in the hose is a problem. So I like took a sawhorse and set it further kind of on the outfeed side and draped the hose after that so it came out at a straighter angle. <laughs> Solve the problem. Wow. <laughs> it's like, wow. you know, and, and this is a, a tool that actually has its own built in ejection fan, but yet I was still getting backup because it wasn't clearing from the, uh, you know, it wasn't spitting chips everywhere because the ejection fan was pulling it away from the work, but it was still clogging up the hose. Oh, man. Yeah, that was just dumb. Yeah, well, (laughs) it's yeah, that's a perfect example. Something that simple increases the airflow. So just think about it. All these times that we go through the effort of of worrying about uh, which system to buy, when in fact sometimes just having the ductwork installed properly and designed properly could boost the performance. You could get more performance boost out of that than upgrading to a new system if you think you're you know cyclones the problem. So shut that dog up. Who is that? Is that Alex? Quiet dog. How dare he? <laughs> I say I say that until UPS arrives and <laughs> starts. Uh, that's what I'm wondering. That's what's going on because he normally is very quiet. Shut mm. up. <laughs> Jeez, Alex. Yeah, he's, he's not not the most excitable dog, is he? All right, Matt. What's on your bench? I'm gonna hit mute. <laughs> oh, it's going on with mine right now. Of course, the big thing in my shop, as and I've done a couple of shows about this so far, is I now have the saw stop. Wait, duck. Oh, wait. He's no, gone to the dark side, folks. <laughs> That's Yes, I have. And so far, um, 
it's not so bad. Like I said, I'm going to do a full review on this after like six months of use or so. I really want to give an opportunity to to put this through uh, all the tests. But the one thing and the reason why uh, your dust collection system with what you're doing with the ductwork and everything is really really has me interested is I have the uh, over-the-top uh, dust collection on the, on the blade guard. Oh, that's right. That just comes uh, standard with their blade guard, right? No, actually, it's an upgrade. I mean, um, it's, it's something that they produce, is what I meant. Not standard. yes, ex- okay, yeah, yeah. It, it's their their own one. And the thing about this, and somebody had warned me previously, is uh, if the dust collection system really isn't like strong enough, strong enough to pull it, you'll end up having a jet of sawdust shooting out the front of it. Now, <laughs> the neat thing is there's not a ton of sawdust like you know flying up into my face like the old system used to have. Yeah, there's no like little cool cloud feature, hanging over actually. it. It, well, it is. I mean, you know exactly where it's going, and it stays in one single line, and it shoots out. Unfortunately, I'm standing right in front of it, so I'm I'm covered in one single <laughs> uh, sawdust line down my the front of me. But I know for a fact it has to be that my dust collection system is getting really good suction at the four inch port. But I think it's just just low enough where I maybe I need to have a bigger like main duct because right now. My dust collection system has uh, the big six-inch in- inlet, but then I have like one of those four-inch uh, double Ys where you know I have it branching off to the other things. And I'm thinking I need to take it six inches all the way through the, the rest of it and then branch it off of that. And I'll probably get the dust collection pyro- power that I need so that it'll stop spraying me in the front. But, <laughs> right. you know, it just it, – it, it was funny because the first time I did it, I'm like, what the – because I can just feel it just hitting me. Pelting you. <laughs> <laughs> but I must say, it's a fine dust, so that's not quite so bad. <laughs> yeah, wow. So, but so yeah, overall, that's, that's pretty much the only thing that's been going on in mine is getting the, that that saw set up, and then I've been working on a project which should be um, getting revealed this weekend. I probably I'll probably post it either Sunday or Monday uh, because I I mentioned in the one video. Apparently, the Vanderlists are the Imeldo Marcos uh, of. Uh, Muskegon, we have so many friggin' shoes. <laughs> it's sickening. <laughs> nice. Uh, you know, now, the, forgive me because I I haven't gotten through all the the videos on the new saw stuff yet. I started watching one, and who knows what happened? But have you triggered it yet? No, actually, that is something that I am saving for a little bit further down the road. And, for uh, safety week, <laughs> you're going to use one of your kids. I've thought about it. Uh, Madison lately, her grades have been really dropping, and I think it has to do everything with her choir friends. You know, those choir right. kids get together, and all hell breaks loose. Well, so they, don't, was, they probably don't know about Saw Stop, right? Or have you already <laughs> broken the secret? I was going to say, uh, there you scare them straight. Yeah, as far as they're concerned, a saw is a saw is a saw, and Dad has one too many. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Nice. So, you know, what What I really enjoyed about your video on that was the subtlety of the giant Saw Stop poster in the background. <laughs> oh, was there one back there? I didn't oh, even oh, how, see it. It's and it's kind of just draped in a way that it's like, oh, I'll just I'm a, I'll just put this up. No one will even see it. <laughs> like, and then, wow. And then I, I slightly moved to the one side so that the big <laughs> S is exposed. Oh, it was great. It was really cool. Is that a permanent thing in the shop now or is that no, just No, that it was that was just for the one video when, when the, the whole thing arrived. I'm like, "What's this?" So I'm like ripping open the boxes. "This is awesome. Look at this. I got a hat. What the Oh, they, they got a banner. Where the hell do they want me to put <laughs> giant that? giant banner. That's, that's <laughs> as long as my shop is. <laughs> yeah, it was oh, good. is this part of the dust collection system? Like, you put this in front of the saw? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but the video was good. The unboxing was, was really good, and I'm anxious to hear how you like it. Because, I mean, the one thing that's, regardless of how you feel about the braking mechanism and what side of the argument you fall on, uh, there's pretty much universal agreement that it is a top-notch saw. 
Right. You know, so it, it'll be good to hear your experience. For me, the it. dust collection, because I, I think I'm, I think I'm OCD, probably am. <laughs> and that's, <laughs> that's just awesome. You know, I mean, that was the part that really got me with my table saw is just the dust on the tabletop itself. Yeah. Right. You know, the, the collector's running and it's supposedly pulling stuff out of the back. Although, you know, my periodic monthly cleanings of the compartment itself told me it wasn't pulling all that stuff out. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, all the stuff on the table and, you know, it, it, it can affect your setups. It, it can affect all kinds of things as it piles up on there. And it's one of those things too, like when you get dust on the bandsaw and uh, I, I I can actually say this is this is one way that I've been injured more than once is you see dust or wood chips on the surface and you go to, to sort of swish them away with your with your hand. And what do you do? Oops, there is a blade still moving, you know, or even if it's not, you could still cut yourself. So uh, yep. having all the debris off of your, your table surfaces is probably not a bad idea. <laughs> Yeah. Well, and that's one thing is I, sh- I should actually say that when the uh, when I have a piece and it's being pushed through and the blade guard is actually like it sealed itself on the surface of the material as it's cutting. But then, you know, you get to that point where the piece now has passed the front of the blade guard. That's when I get the laser sawdust you know projection happening at me. <laughs> right. So when when it's when there is a full seal on there it is it's a seal <laughs> you know so there the dust collection is really pulling in that way but yeah I, i've done the same thing where i i want to move a small piece of sawdust or a chip out of the way and rather than reaching for it i could do the thing where i'm gonna try to blow it away right. and what ends up happening is i inhale and i suck everything into my mouth <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah no and then the accident occurs because i'm coughing so horribly that you know something gets thrown someplace <laughs> nice <laughs> Um, all right, well, let's move on to the Woodworking in America recap. Now, I'm curious from both of you guys, from your perspectives, um, I know we had probably, I guess you could say, leveled some criticisms against the Fine Woodworking event for the lack of social media presence and a lack of social media um, just attention that was given to it uh, by the community. So I'm curious from your perspectives, were either of you paying attention much or did you notice a difference or was it just this, pretty much the same thing? Well, I was kind of following Twitter a little bit. I kept going in and I was just doing the the Pound WIA 2012 right, right. and then just kind of flipping through a little bit of the Twitter. And apparently maybe I wasn't following that many people. I had the usual suspects plus a couple of new people. Um, I'm trying to think if I saw anything else like on Facebook or anything, but that was pretty much it. Yeah, there so, was. I agree from what I saw too, just because even when you're there, you're still looking to see, hmm, I wonder what's going on. I didn't see yeah. much either. So Shannon, what about you? Is he going to get Alex? What's going on here? I'm wondering what's going on. Now I'm all worried because if Alex normally doesn't bark. Oops, sorry. Shannon normally was still muted. Shannon Hi, normally answers when we ask him questions. So this something speculate. might be wrong. It's, this is this is a flashback to my very first show. <laughs> right. Hello, Shannon, it's your turn. There? Shannon. So yes, I would agree. Um, I actually have to say thanks to the Modern Woodworker guys, the association guys, because that was about all I saw. Yeah, um, yeah. The um now that's not that's not entirely true. There was it was interesting to see popular woodworking tweeting. Um, I did see them. I, I don't know, that was probably Tom Nunless behind that. Mm-hmm. Um, he would occasionally send out, you know, I'm in this session, or I'm in this session. Um, but and he was good about retweeting what other people had said. So there were some things that um, maybe I probably would have missed in the in the the, the fray, if you will, um, that that Tom brought up, but. I think the the real uh, measure will be, you know, two weeks from now, yeah, because right. even in past years, uh, I mean, there's been uh, some stuff going on during the event, but it's later when people start 
blogging about it and putting up pictures and stuff like that. And I started to see some things today. Yep. Google Plus, um, I saw a bunch of things go up. <clears throat> yeah. And I saw on a couple of uh, personal blogs some images and things going up. But frankly, the the Twitter stream was more alive after hours than uh, during <laughs> yes. the show. Yes, it um, was. <laughs> and, and that was the part that got me nostalgic for not being there more than anything else. No offense to the show. I mean, I certainly would have loved to go to the show, but it was the um, <clears throat> the drunken tweeting that was particularly interesting <laughs> to me. I only had one beer. I'll let you know. Um, yeah, actually. And lots of pictures of food this year. <laughs> there was definitely eating Definitely a lot of eating and drinking. Um, it, you know, overall, I, I think having been to a previous WIA, it was it was comparable. You know, it felt comparable. The thing that was a little bit different with this one was, I guess, the attendance was a little bit lower. You know, so I, I thought the marketplace was about the same size. I thought the, uh, you know, actual sessions themselves uh, looked to be about the same size. The rooms maybe were even a little bit bigger. Um, but the from what I heard, a lot of people saying and. And I guess I noticed it too. It's just sometimes in those environments, it's difficult to to get a grasp for numbers. Um, but but people had said that the attendance was a little bit low, and that the the concern or the sort of guess is that things were split between the two locations, and they didn't necessarily add or like double their typical numbers. They just kind of split them in half, roughly. Uh, so of course you're going to have lower attendance at each show. Uh, but well, over- you know that again. The only thing I saw was that kind of top-down view of the Hanto Olympic booth. Yeah, but um, I mean that was pretty well in previous years. That was pretty well mobbed all the time. Yeah. Um, and then last year, of course, I was in the marketplace the entire time, and the marketplace was always busy. There wasn't right. a lull. Right. Um, right. Right. And and again, from my limited thing looking at that webcam over the Olympic booth this year, you know, there were long periods where. It was quiet because I had it up, you know, in a small window on my desktop while I was at work. And, you know, you kind of glance over there and it's like, there's no one there. You know, it was like one guy working the booth and you didn't see anybody walking by. Now, I don't know where that was located in the marketplace. Did it, they stick it in like in the back corner or something? It was something? actually uh, not in the corner. It was in one of the middle rows, but it was the very last booth in the row mm-hmm. facing back. Um, so that could have been part of it. But ultimately, I think it was pretty you know, telling of, of the event itself. I mean, uh, I, I saw the hand tool Olympics at other shows too, and you're right. It's, it's mopped. It's, it's nuts. But I think, you know, the other thing is I think the, from what I understand, the hand tool Olympics almost didn't happen right until. Yeah. So thank until, God it actually happened. Yeah. Until the yeah, NWA cool. guys volunteered to take it over. So they had their hands full trying to, to keep that thing running and make sure that it was available for everybody to use. Um, so, so in that regard, it was definitely a success. Uh, but yeah, I wonder big if kudos to the modern woodworker guys, that was awesome. That they did that. Yeah, they did a really good job. So, so ultimately though, you know, I would say maybe lower numbers, but, uh, you know, if you go there for the, the social aspects, maybe you might be disappointed in that. But, um, like you said, the after hour stuff to me is where all the, the most social activity takes place anyway. Uh, classes, fantastic. I mean, I, I really enjoyed the, it, it seemed like they really tried to embrace, uh, the, the West Coast aspect of this particular show, uh, with David Marks there, Paul Search, there was more focus on, uh, green and green. Uh, some modern style things, and it just felt more, it felt like we were in Pasadena, um, which, you know, was good. I really enjoyed that sort of vibe that it had. Of course, you had all the regulars there, uh, Schwarz and Glenn Huey, Chuck Bender was teaching. Um, I mentioned Mary May earlier. William Ng wasn't teaching, but he had a booth there because um, his school is not too far away in Anaheim, uh, so I got a chance to, to hang out with him for a little bit. Um, one of the best 
and from feedback that I've heard from people, one of the best classes there was David Mark's Bentwood Lamination class. I, I saw a lot of stuff coming out on, on Twitter on that. And I just kept like thinking pictures. Come on, you got to snap a picture here or there. I think there was maybe one or two, and I'm like, I've already seen David Marks. I want to see what he's doing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good he, point. He yeah. showed some of the stuff that he's done for like a, a um, uh, what would you call it? Uh, it's like a compound bended curve, you know, so you're yep. sort of doing it. Think of a chair back and the chair arms, and if those were all made out of one piece. So it's like the crest rail and the arms all come out of one uh, bent laminated strip of wood. So he showed this like medieval torture device uh, that he calls a bending form <laughs> that he uses to do this. And it was absolutely amazing. Like I've, I've seen that piece that he's made before and I've seen him do bent lamination before, but I've never seen that. And I didn't know how he actually did those pieces. So um, that was really, really impressive. And the feedback on it was great, but you know, for, for people who've never been to one of these things, uh, imagine the, the scenario in which, you know, David Marks is, is teaching Bentwood lamination. The class is filling up and you look around the room in the back is Roy Underhill watching David Marks teach bent lamination. And there's other notable names in the room too, but those are the two that caught my eye. Yeah. Um, what, <laughs> the man. Like what a collection of, of people. And he, you know, uh, he wasn't, Roy wasn't sleeping. He was actually watching. Um, <laughs> we, I've seen him do that before. When he came in like to a, like, I think like a Mike Dunbar class at the, the first uh, Woodworking America in Berea. And it is weird to see like, the person in front of you is teaching. I, I know that person. I've watched them on TV. I've seen right. their DVDs. And then you turn around and you're like, wait a minute. I know that guy. And yeah. I've seen him on TV. And I've seen it. What? Where am I? You know, it just seems so off the wall and just not possible. Yeah, it's it's absolutely a woodworker's, you know, who's who. Is, is you're going through the marketplace and you see this really giant guy with uh, funny clothes on and you realize it's uh, Adam Carabini and yeah I mean it's amazing the people who are just I thought you were going to say Paul Marcel <laughs> no, he, he does kind of wear weird clothes doesn't he no I'm just kidding Paul's, I did his, run into Paul his, numerous his Bridge times City, Bridge City hockey jersey on this year <laughs> oh what the heck was he wearing that I laughed at uh, he was wearing a Festool uh, Domino XL shirt <laughs> to the, fir- nice. the first night uh, but yeah I did, I did run into Paul it's funny that Paul and I usually I mean we live pretty much in the same town but the only time we see each other is at like out-of-state events it's it's really kind of odd (laughs) um so yeah so what uh what classes did you get to i went to uh well there was a couple classes that i sat through only a few that i sat through the entire thing i have a really bad habit of class hopping uh, when i'm at these things so i sat through the entire paul search uh marketry one which was fantastic uh, sat through David Mark's, um, uh, what you call it, his Bentwood lamination. And then I skipped around. Oh, I also sat through all of Mary May's Acanthus leaf carving demonstration. And I bounced around to Glenn Huey, Chuck Bender, Chris Schwarz, um, and then most of the other time was spent in the marketplace. Now, the, the interesting thing about this setup, though, was there was a physical separation uh, in different buildings where the the marketplace was located and the classes were located, which I actually kind of thought sucked because, you know, at the end of a a class, maybe I got a half hour or something before the next one begins. Normally, you would just go to the marketplace and spend your time there. And this time I'm like, "Eh, it's so far, you know. Uh, well, you, they did something like that at the one in Chicago, Shannon, when you and I were there. Yeah, that's, it yeah, was that was like, the outside but that was like a 45-minute hike. Oh, it wasn't yeah. that bad. This was like across a courtyard. I was just being lazy. Um, you know, but still, that separation is, you know, especially when you first get there and you're trying to get your bearings, that could be pretty confusing. Uh, once well, you got it. Could it could account for you know, some of the lower crowds in the marketplace. Yeah, 
Yeah, because you don't just don't have that sort of drifting traffic that that you you normally might come across. Uh, let's see. The other thing was the Gamble House uh, dinner that they had. They they had a couple of other tours where you could actually go get the woodworkers tour, but I had already signed up for this one, so I stuck with it. Uh, they had a Gamble House dinner, so you could actually go there, get a little tour. Uh, they had docents in each section, so as you walk through the house, they kind of direct you into each room, and that person gives you a little bit of a historical review of, of uh, you know the details of that particular room. Uh, really great in concept. Uh, the problem is the Gamble House is already dark to begin with. Uh, when you're there at night, it's I mean everyone the docents all have flashlights, and it's very very difficult to see, and you kind of. I don't know. Being in a house when it's dark, I feel like I feel like I'm in a rush to get out because I'm in someone else's house and it's dark and they're telling me it's time to go to bed. <laughs> it was really weird. Oh, we're about to have dinner. Um, if you want to make yourself a plate, go for it. But uh... <laughs> yeah. So 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 we're walking around and and we were one of the last groups to uh, to arrive. We were pretty late. Uh, but it, it, if you've never been there, it, w- it was probably still very very cool. But having been there during the day, I realized how much you actually do miss. Uh, by showing up at night and just having it be that dark in there. Uh, it's really interesting. It was one of the first houses, because, of course, clearly they had some money, uh, one of the first houses in that area to be, excuse me, powered with uh, electricity and lighting. So at the time, from what I understand, that was, you know, when when lights really in interior spaces came out and people were afraid that they cast off some sort of dangerous rays that could affect your your skin or digestion. So people were afraid of them. So all of the lighting in there, number one, is very dim, but it's also indirect. So they thought that like direct lighting was just bad for your health, uh, which kind of explains why in the kitchen where the service like help was, the lighting was actually facing down and was direct. Which <laughs> 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 is like, oh, okay, I see how the, I see how it is here. <laughs> um, so yeah, so the the whole lighting thing was interesting historically, but when you're trying to look at stuff, it's kind of a pain in the butt. So the, the dinner wasn't too bad. They had a, a little catered event in the backyard. You can just sit, and the uh, food was okay. Um, but other than that, it was just, hey, you're eating at the Gamble House. Don't don't complain. It's pretty awesome. <laughs> so. <laughs> that would be that was actually one of the things that was really, if I could have made it out there, I wanted to do that. So Yeah, yeah. So we had a good time. Uh, for I'm sure. Go hang so do I understand this right? <clears throat> Sorry, I was uh, – um, I was bored by Mark, so I went to the chat room. Mm-hmm. Um, the, uh, Understandable. There wasn't Wi-Fi in the conference center. Um, I don't know. Interesting. I have AT and T. I had a good connection. All those uh, suckers with Verizon uh, were complaining because they they were actually yeah, someone said it was hard to tweet when there was no Wi-Fi in the conference center. That yeah. that's rough. Yeah, I actually didn't even uh, worry about Wi-Fi. I was just using my. Um, uh, regular connection. So I know folks who had Verizon really, really had connection issues. I text, uh, texted um, Aaron a couple of times and he's like, uh, yeah, I didn't get that. It's like an hour or two later, he finally gets it. So, wow. Yep. I just know speaking from a, from a, I guess, exhibitor would be, or a merchant, whatever the vendor, that's what they call those Vindor. people in the marketplace. Yeah. Um, if I didn't have Wi-Fi last year, I would have been dead. <laughs> that was <laughs> That would have been really bad. Shannon, sometimes, look, sometimes you just have to unplug and take things a little bit slower, okay? <laughs> when you're there for online business, that's a little difficult stop, to do. <laughs> stop worrying so much about the technology. Focus on the woodworking. Um, Ooh, all right. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, obviously I'm kidding. Um, so yeah, that was, it was great. So woodworking in America, never a disappointment, but I will say I'm anxious to go to find woodworking's event should they do one again next year. And I really hope they, they this year decide to 
um, embrace the community. You know, um, right. I can't necessarily afford to to pay for the airfare and all the and the hotel and all that stuff on top of uh, you know, the, the price to get in sometimes. So it is, especially when we're going to blog about it and talk about it and give them some, some, you know, decent press, it is nice to get a, a free pass once in a while. So yeah, there's nothing uh, wrong with a press pass because, yeah. you know, if we're not there, then who's going to be know anything about it, obviously. Yeah, yeah seriously. <laughs> hey. Everybody listens to, to Wood Talk. Um, yeah. So, so yeah. honestly, I think, uh, for, you know, I think last year with, with fine woodworking was probably just a big test for them. And I think if they're, they're really going to go all out, I'm, I'm sure we probably will get some emails asking if we'd like to attend as press. And if, if we get that, I definitely, uh, want to go. And frankly, I'm, I'm interested that I probably will pay either way, uh, just because I'd like to go for my own reasons. Um, so, so hopefully that'll happen. I really want to have a good wide perspective on, on these two well, different events. I, I think, haven't they already said that they are going to do another one? I don't know. I want to yeah, say I, I heard that on their podcast one time. That so. would be good. Uh, I, yeah, I can't remember either. I, I I thought for sure there was there was at least talk about it that they're looking into it. And, yeah, you know, maybe looking for a bigger a bigger <clears throat> location or something. But yeah, it, it's on my radar too. I after hearing everything from that, I definitely you know am loca- like very curious. Another factor is for me is going to be location. Um, I really don't want to get into an airport and have to you know drive for an hour to get where I need to go. You know, so if it, <laughs> hopefully they pick a really good location and it just makes it easy for us to go. Um, all right. You know what? That's that's probably it, unless you guys have any other comments or questions about WIA. Um, not at the moment. I'm sure I will as soon as the uh, show goes off the air. That'll I'll be, be like, oh, Mark, wait a minute. Did you? Um... Yeah, just give me a call. I won't pick up, though. Okay. Um, I'm used to that. <laughs> okay. All right. So let's jump into God, the... That's not uh, just me. <laughs> Where are you guys? Come on. Let's do the show. Um, all right. Around the web. And I've got a couple of links here. And speaking of fine woodworking... They recently came out with an iPad, iPhone app that is not just like, you know, they, I think they have a couple things in, in the app store, but they're really just like regurgitated books uh, or, or uh, you know, certain issues that they have isolated. I haven't really looked much into it, but I know they do have some stuff there. But this, yep. this is the thing that, that we've been waiting for as fine woodworking fans. You want to be able to get the damn magazine in an app cleanly and, and efficiently. And that's what this is. They finally came out with a fine woodworking app. You could subscribe to the magazine in there. You could connect your existing subscription. And if you want to, you could connect your existing subscription and then subscribe again in the app, which is what I did uh, like an idiot. And then you have to go and <laughs> contact Apple to get that refunded, which was a lot of trouble. So Oh, nice. Yeah, in fact, actually, as we're talking right now, I'm downloading the uh, December issue so that I have this for afterwards. Yeah. Um, yeah, this this was – I thought for sure that this was just going to be like one of those – like a splash page basically. Like mm-hmm. you could do this or you could head to our website because <laughs> right. I do have the, the apps that they had before, which essentially are – they put out those special issues like this is the router issue or they even have books that are like specifically, you know, uh, kind of a, an amalgamation – a combination of all of their articles previously, and then they kind of find that and put it out there. Yep. Um, so I have the table saw, the router, and the band saw one. And those are neat because they're interactive. They got a little video, they've got everything going on. But this, it's the magazine itself. And I, I, I didn't realize this before because as soon as I downloaded the app, I just kind of jumped in feet first and didn't really play around with it too much. But I just connected myself to uh, Facebook and Twitter with it because apparently you can tweet out like, Holy crap, look at this article. I've been waiting for something like this. Yeah. Holy crap, Aston Kutcher's on the cover. Oh, my God. I thought the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, is that Demi back there? Oh, no, that's just a saw. 
Nice. Uh, yeah, so so the app is fantastic. Uh, the other cool thing is as you're leafing through, it does what you would expect an app of a magazine to do. Um, if there's an ad, you can click on that ad and you can go to the website. If there is a video extra, you can click on it. Now, it's interesting because, you know, with an implementation like this, sometimes they just keep you within the app uh, to, to view a video. But in, in their case, it, it's kind of more efficient this way. They actually send you to the video on their website, but you're still within the app, you know, so you don't feel like it's not like it bumped you out into the browser. You're still in the app and you can very easily watch the video and then go right back to uh, leafing through the pages of the magazine. Um, so I was really, really happy with it. Frankly, I'm not even going to touch my paper uh, version uh, of of my subscription anymore. The digital version is definitely the way to go. Um, and I give them five stars. I actually just filled out a rating today in uh, the iTunes store because I was so happy with it. Uh, there's a couple people who left uh, comments in the store that are saying that it crashes or they get three or four pages in and they get a crash. I haven't had any of that uh, at hmm. all. Uh, so so mine has been absolutely flawless so far. Yeah, you know, it's funny that you mentioned that because uh, I'm kind of flipping through it right now, and I touched one page, and it has completely disappeared on me. But I then move uh, over to the side. I just kind of uh, finger it over, and the rest of the, the pages are there. So that's that's weird. Oh, interesting. Well, you know what? Maybe there's a few little bugs here and there. It is new. Um, yeah. Well, the good thing is it was actually an ad, so that didn't really bother me that much that I lost that particular page. Yeah, so then it, it doesn't matter. Exactly. Um, so yeah, check it out. Fine Woodworking app. I'm going to put the link in the show notes directly to the iTunes store, and you could check that out. The other thing I wanted to link to is David Mark's uh, new store that he has. Basically, they have a new eShop on their website, and uh, you know the much-awaited Woodworks episodes are finally available. He's actually got them on DVD as well as downloads that you can go take a look at. So you can just go to djmarks.com, and you'll see a little banner at the top for the store. Go in there and uh, download to your heart's content, and you could also buy. Uh, it's actually a better price to buy the DVD collection. Um, and we'll actually be giving some of those away pretty soon. Um, I'm, I'm waiting for them to send me a few, and we'll give them away. Uh, but I'll put the link for that in the show notes as well. But hey, Woodworks, if people can finally stop complaining. It's uh, how many years have we seen that in the forums? I have to say one of the best things about this is uh, because of David Marks and apparently his rugged good looks, Samantha doesn't mind watching any of <laughs> she his tolerates shows. Him. <laughs> so we get to have some quality time together. Uh, I get to enjoy the woodworking and she just gets to enjoy David. Nice. Yeah, so, so you, thank, you, put, you, uh, you put me and Shannon on and she just leaves the room. Uh, I put myself on there, and she can't get out of the house fast enough. <laughs> Feet don't fail me now. So if people ever wonder why I don't do any quality control on my videos, that's why my family pretty much disappears, and I feel lonely. Right. So, hey, have either of you uh, gotten a chance to get over to David's site and download an episode, or, or do, you, do you remember all the episodes fresh enough in your heads? <laughs> <laughs> well, as many times as Sam makes me watch it, it's like I just watched it yesterday. But, no, actually, I haven't had a chance to download them yet. Which Did I, you say something? I'm watching Woodworks. <laughs> and that answers that question. <laughs> no, I'm actually I, I do want to download one just to get a feel for it. And I'm there's a couple that I'm I'm thinking about. There's one that has zebra wood in there. Do you ever work with that before? Mm -hmm. no. Yes. Have I? Yeah. It smells like sweat socks. Um it's you know, the Woodwork show is probably you know, when when it, when it sort of was the heyday of, of like PBS woodworking TV shows when you had, uh, well, he wasn't on PBS, but you had you had David Marks on uh, HGTV and DIY and you had Norm going strong on PBS and Scott Phillips and the, the router dudes, uh, those two guys. And um, 
the Woodsmith shop. I mean, there, there, there was a point in time when all these things were on at the same time. It was fantastic. And, and I used to watch, you know, religiously would watch both Woodworks and the New Yankee Workshop. And they were such different shows. But like both that. of them sort of, you know, give you that inspiration feeling that like, wow, I, not only can I do this, but it's just absolutely beautiful. But, but Woodworks took it to a whole different level because, of course, it's got David's influence on it. Uh, you know, he has art furniture is pretty much what he's making. So even if you don't necessarily like what he's building, the techniques are solid and you just see stuff being done that you just really don't see being done anywhere else. You know, absolutely yeah. amazing. So it was it, the first place where I heard words like boobinga. Boobinga. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I used to actually um, hate wood furniture uh, like in college and, and after we got married, it was all like metal and glass, you know, that I just didn't like wood. Cause I grew up in a house that had like wood paneling everywhere and it drove me nuts. Uh, and so I started watching Woodworks and I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. There's more than just pine and oak in the world. <laughs> and that actually was what spurred my my love of the craft and, and actually working with wood was watching those early episodes of Woodworks. Um, so it was really transformational for me. So anyone who wants to know, you know, why the heck I got into this whole thing, go watch some of those episodes of Woodworks. That was where my personal inspiration came from. Yeah, and it's funny because to be quite honest with you, I never even realized that there were other woods out there other than like maple <laughs> and oak and stuff. Other so than what Home when Depot I would has. see those, especially like the zebra wood, I'm like, he must have taken a bunch of other ones and maybe like glued those together in some sort of weird composite. <laughs> That's interesting. Right, right. Okay, so check those things out. Um, editor's note in the show notes here. It's letting everyone know that Mark has a dirty potty mouth. Uh, yes, very much so. I, I think that's very important that we let people know that. Okay, well, Absolutely. moving on. All right, you guys want to hit your links you have in here? Yeah, uh, the next one I have on here, this is a Everybody Loves a Good Contest, and this one is over at YouTube. Uh, it is the – hold on a second here. Uh, it's the Christmas Contest Box Build-Off. And, oh, my gosh, I feel like a complete jerk. I can't even remember his name. Uh, Shan- Lane? Um, yes. Uh, Shanessy? Yeah, something like that. Simple design yes. of Ocala. There you go. That's La- Laney, Laney, that's his name. Sorry. That's it. Sorry, Laney. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I'm really sorry. Too, I blame that I on Matt. Do check out your stuff once in a while. Um, but he has a contest going on. It's from October 3rd to December 3rd. Oops, wait a minute. I got to close that down. Um, <laughs> anyways, though, October 3rd to December 3rd, uh, he has uh, contest sponsors like Laguna Tools, uh, Woodworkers Guild of America, Rockler, uh, Simple Design of Akela, uh, the United Federation of Woodworkers. So it, all the details are actually on – it looks like it's on his YouTube page. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll have that. We'll have a link in there to check that out. In fact, a video explaining what it is you need to do because it looks like he wants you to uh, submit a video of your build. Right, um, right. So if you want to build a box for Christmas, go for it. There you go. All right. The uh, next one I have, I was out and feeling lonely and depressed about this whole entire woodworking in America thing. <laughs> and one of my friends around here said, hey, did you see what's coming up in 2013? It's Handworks 2013, which apparently I don't have either of you heard anything about this. I must have been living in a cave when this was announced. Because it's like all over the place. <laughs> Other than the you know the blog posts I saw, I mean everybody going has put up some sort of blog post. Oh well, then apparently I really have been living in a, <laughs> a cave because I saw nothing about this until my friend got a hold of me. In fact, I thought he was talking about like it was going to be a massage thing, like it's a happy endings, you know, uh, convention <laughs> or something. I'm like, we could do that. I don't oh, know how yeah. feel about it. Um, but anyways, though, so if you want to find out who's going to be there. 
Um, it looks like, like you said, everybody's going to be there. There's like all the the names we're familiar with with tool manufacturing and stuff. The, the really high end ones, of course, Chris Shores is going to be there. But they've got a special thing going on. The special presentation, Virtuoso, the tool chest of H.O. Studley will be happening there. Um, this is in Iowa and it is May 24th to something else. Uh, totally. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm so bad. What? 24th we and 25th. Been, there you go. Amanda, I'm so out of it that I can't even get the details right anymore. We'll get it right the next show. Don't. <laughs> there we go. This is. We'll have a do over. <laughs> My favorite thing about this this whole entire thing, this website they have, is at the very bottom. It's uh, door prizes, and they list off everything you could possibly win if you show up. Mm-hmm. And there is some really great stuff in here. I'm like Benchcraft is giving away a glide leg vice with crisscross. Uh, Blue Spruce set of six dovetail chisels and mallet. Rather than me reading all these things, head over there, check it out, make plans for it. I'm thinking road trip and i might just end up showing up there so i can get my fix for 2013 my my favorite thing is that the web page is like 14 feet long and only uses the middle yep. exactly. <laughs> i love that it's nostalgic <laughs> when i'm watching i'm reading it on my ipad i just keep zing keep going <laughs> it up is fun it up. is fun to flick down through but uh okay. all right let's go let's see here a couple more things i have um i saw this the other day i posted this on my facebook page uh for for the website it's soulcraft woodshop essentially this is a i think this is in oh my gosh where is it located somewhere in the united states uh it is a uh, um <laughs> you're pretty oh good at this man <laughs> You're high. I had notes like crazy. (laughs) It's a community woodworking shop, educational cooperative, and gallery. Mm -hmm. So basically, you don't own the tools. Uh, Come on in. They'll help you build whatever you're looking for. You can become a member. I don't know the exact pricing on it, but there's a link for it. You can take classes. Nice. uh, All that good stuff. And uh, let me see. Where is it? Since I couldn't remember exactly where it was, it's down south from me. So that might be up north for other people. Cleveland? Um, mm, I want to say Cincinnati. The rest well, of the country. Well, no, I'm just everything in the sidebar is telling you about Cleveland. It's Cleveland. So. Yes. Okay. Hello, Cleveland. <laughs> All right. I'm going to do this last one then because I just am really bombing at this right now. Uh, George Nakashima, the Nakashima Foundation. Uh, I posted something about this also. The Peace Altars. If yeah. you would like to help the Nakashima Foundation raise money so that they can continue on with this amazing dream that George had of placing these just absolutely beautiful uh, altars all over the world. Um, it's just, it, it's really a really great thing. They just recently had a couple of fundraisers and if you're interested at all in learning more about it, definitely head over to the links. And of course we'll have the links in the show notes where you can find more information than I could possibly mention right now, because apparently I can't mention information properly. <laughs> okay. Take a breath. Go get a drink, Matt. We're going to give you a break. <laughs> oh here. God. It was so hard. <laughs> okay. Let's move on to, uh, uh, let's actually do the poll of the week real quick. I wanted to, I want to do this a little bit more consistently than we have. Uh, this is going to be the Mashinsky's. What? Oh, sorry. When I think of Poles, I think of the Polish people I grew up with. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, okay, so we had a poll this past week, and these polls, as you may or may not know, are made by Tom Ivino at tomsworkbench.com, and he created a poll called, What do you do with unused tools? Actually, he says, when you replace a tool, what do you do with the old one? I prefer the title, What do you do with unused tools? But anyway, um, so the answers were, I sell it. I give it to a deserving woodworker or cause. I store it just in case. I throw it out. I don't replace my tools or something else. So what would you guys say? Unused tools, maybe a duplicate, uh, or you've upgraded. What do you do with the old tool? 
I give a lot of lip service and say I am going to donate that to a worthy cause. You and are full of soup. And then I list it on Craigslist for twice the value. <laughs> yeah, boy. <laughs> That's what I thought. Uh, Shannon, what do you do usually? Well, if anybody's been to my blog in the last month, they know what I do. <laughs> I sell them on my blog. There you go. Nothing wrong with that. Um, you know, with the exception of like the little, <clears throat> if I have a chisel, um, it's almost not even worth putting in a box. You, you and give shipping. it to a, you give it to the first small child you see. <laughs> Pretty much. I sharpen it up, get it razor sharp, and then hand it to him point first. Here you go, Say, young run. man. Have fun. Okay. Uh, well, out of 688 community members, pretty good numbers, uh, 25% said that they sell it. And let's see, what's the highest? The most people, 46% said I store it just in case. You selfish <laughs> jerks. That sounds like woodworkers. Yeah, yeah, it really not does. Not selfish jerks, just pack rats. Oh, okay. Same thing. I'm definitely going to need this for that one scrap piece of material that I'm going to end up saving forever because this chisel works great with cutting it. Uh, right? Yeah, so so uh, 25% sell it. Uh, almost 19% say that they give it to a deserving woodworker or cause. Uh, thankfully, only 2.3% throw it out. That's nice to hear. Throw it out. Yeah, I mean, that's crazy talk right there. Uh, so that's the poll of the week. Every week we have a new one from, uh, once again, from Tom at tomsworkbench.com. So we post these at both my website at thewoodwhisper.com and Tom's website. So it is a little bit of a duplicate, though. Uh, but I do change the little story at the beginning, like the, the reason why we're asking this and stuff like that, just to make it a little bit different for you. Uh, so that's the poll of the week. Um, just to spice it up, like the Italians that came up with it. That's right. What? All right. Um, voicemail. <laughs> we have, <laughs> I have a couple of voicemails. Like I said, WIA recaps. I'm going to leave those for the end of the show. Right now, we're going to play a voicemail from Frank, who's got a question about varnish. Hey guys, this is Frank from Long Island. I have a question on thinning varnish and poly for wipe-on application. What is the difference between mineral spirits and paint thinner? Which do you prefer to thin varnish, and what ratio? Thanks again. I love the show. It's the best on the web. All right. You guys know that this is obviously something I give a crap about. Um, do you want to jump in first, though, for your anything that you do with, you know, when you use an oil-based <clears throat> finish? Do you have a preferred thinner, and how much do you thin? Well, you. I don't honestly know the answer to this, so I think paint thinner is a version of mineral spirits, isn't it? It's just more refined or less refined? Yeah, I mean, the way I look at it is it's, you know, uh, Matt, this will be right up your alley. Uh, you know, during the distillation process, you take different fractions as you go, and it's sort of, uh, right. you know, you have a different chemical composition uh, as you go from fraction to fraction. So, uh, yeah, so some things can be a little more refined. Some things are a little more crude. Uh, paint thinner, well, see, the thing is, there's that whole nomenclature thing, and paint thinner Mineral spirits, naphtha, uh, these are all paint thinners. But there is also right. a thing we buy in a can called paint thinner, uh, which is usually mostly mineral spirits, but I consider it like dirty mineral spirits. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> so it's the less refined version. Yeah. So mineral spirits is at the other extreme. The exactly. Most yeah. Yeah. So mineral spirits is a little bit more refined. And in fact, the odorless mineral spirits has been cleaned up even more so to get rid of some of those like extra toxic, you know, terrible smelling materials. So uh, to answer his question about the difference between paint thinner and mineral spirits, in terms of dilution, not a whole lot. Uh, but in terms of the smell that it's going to put in your shop, big difference. Uh, yeah. So I would say if you're going to buy, buy the mineral spirits. I don't even buy paint thinner anymore. I don't want any part of it because it stinks to... Ugh, blah, it's terrible stuff. Uh, naphtha 
is something that, uh, you know, if you have odorless mineral spirits, you probably won't notice a huge difference between it and naphtha. But naphtha is is more pure and actually winds up having a different uh, functionality where it dries a little bit faster. Mm. I should say it flashes off a little bit faster. So if you mix your poly or your, uh, you know, any type of varnish uh, with mineral spirits, it's going to stay tacky or it's going to stay loose and workable longer than if you put naphtha in there. The naphtha will cause it to set up and become tacky a little bit faster, which depending on what you're doing, that might be advantageous. Uh, So ratio wise kind of depends on what you want to do. You can dilute your oil-based finishes um, infinitely. You can go as far as you want to. So it's just a matter of how much of a film do you want to leave on the surface. Uh, So for me, I don't usually dilute much further than 50% unless I'm using something that is a particularly thick formula like Epiphanes, you know, that outdoor um, varnish or marine varnish, I should say. That stuff is like super, it's like corn syrup thick. Um, That's exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I actually... You can pour it on your pancakes. I wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> no. It uh, looks like it too, though. Um, so yeah, that stuff you might want to dilute a little bit more. But your average like off-the-shelf polyurethane, about 50% is the dilution I go with. So that's my spiel. It, one way I think about, as you were talking about with the, the paint thinner, the naphtha and stuff like that, and... This is probably going to explain a lot of things with my liver, but it's oftentimes like the highest quality, the really top shelf vodka is because they filtered the hell out of it. (laughs) And so, you know, it's just like pure, pure. And then you work your way down to the stuff that um, costs about 50 cents a bottle and uh, can probably cause slight blindness. Well, you know, there's (laughs) a good point now. If, If cost is an issue and let's say you have a lot of cleanup to do. I, you know, a can of mineral spirits, you can use that. Keep it, you know, don't get it, uh, you know, don't pour finish in it or, or get any dirt in it and you can use it for your finishes. But something like paint thinner, maybe you want to keep that around for cleaning only. Yep. Uh, but even then, I still don't want that crap in my shop. It just smells awful. So that's why I'll, I'll just use my, my mineral spirits for cleaning purposes. Yep, right. exactly. All right, let's move on to email. Um, I don't think, unfortunately, just we're going long. I don't think we're going to have time for all these, but we have these emails that have been here for <laughs> We've got a couple that have been lingering longer than they should be. <laughs> so let's uh, let's pick one or two and see if we can't answer them very quickly, which, uh, uh, Matt, I'll let, it, I'll let you choose. Okay, let's do this one. Um, well, let's just start with the very first one right there. This is from Greg DiMarzio. A friend of mine asked me to help him build a workbench. He wants to use three or four sheets of three-quarter inch ply for the top, Four by four Douglas fir for the legs, two by four for the stretchers, and three quarter by four inch hard maple for a frame to attach vices to. Would the three or four plywood sheets of plywood be a good choice for the top? Uh, and my thought is that it's easy to laminate layers, but also the fact that it won't have to be flattened. Is that a fair assumption? Um, and let's just kind of go from there because then he kind of goes into some other details that I, I don't think have anything that much to do with that particular question. So, the main question here, would three or four plywood sheets of plywood be a good choice for the top of a workbench? Depends and, on where he gets the plywood, how much he pays per sheet. There you go. Yeah, I mean, I've used plywood in the past. In fact, the bench I have right now, uh, that is two sheets of plywood, I think, uh, laminated together or one really thick one. No, it's two. Um, it, it's fine. It's a nice utilitarian one, but there's not much you can do to it when it comes time to say, I don't know, flatten it. If you ever want to do something like that. Um, also, if you don't really have a decent, if it's, if the, everything underneath it, the stretchers, the aprons and stuff, if they're not 
really dead flat or anything, you could actually start having some dishing in the middle, which is something I'm struggling with mm-hmm. right now. So that's why I have some really, really thick poplar sitting on the sideline waiting to be uh, milled up to become a solid workbench. Yeah, I mean, even at three layers, you're still really, really dependent on the base to hold everything right. flat. I mean, if you, if you, I mean, if you drive a screw up and you pull it down to something that's unlevel or, or not flat, you will tweak it and it won't be flat anymore. Um, so I think that's really going to be the trickiest part for that. I, I my first workbench was a, a lamination of multiple sheets of plywood, and for utility purposes, it was awesome. But if you're truly looking for that dead flat workbench sort of thing, that's going to be a hard thing to pull off with plywood. I think. Yeah, unfortunately. So yeah, that's that's the answer. So is there? I mean, Shannon, from the hand tool perspective, how much how much flatness or lack of flatness can you get away with and still be considered you know okay? You know, and I think that's a really good question because I think we, because we're able to measure (laughs) with our modern technology doohickeys and things, and because all the modern planes that are made are flat to within a, you know, thousands than more than that, actually flatter than that. Mm -hmm. um, You know, I just don't think it's that necessary. (laughs) It's not as, Um, it's not as much as we make it out to be. No, not at all. Um, the, The way I put it is, is, you know, I very rarely take thin, wispy, thousands of an inch shavings. Um, the only time I've ever got my plane set that light is when it's on like a really gnarly piece of wood that's really prone to tear out. And honestly, I just don't work with that much of it anymore. Yeah. Um, so most of the time, my planes are taking five thou, seven thou thick shavings, you know, with the exception of my really heavy duty ones that four and the joiner or the four and the scrub, which are taking like, you know, three 30 second inch shavings. Right. Um, and if the bench is out of flat, less than the thickness of the shaving I'm taking, it's not like your board's going to deflect or anything under it. I mean, there's just, you think about it. Why do we need the bench top to be flat? You know, the, you know, actually that's one thing I was going to say is my particular one, I am running into a dishing issue in, in the center of it. And I mm-hmm. have found that um, it, I'm going to say conservatively, it's about a 16th of an inch. Like if I put a straight edge from end to end, there's about a 16th of an inch dip in there. And when I'm trying to flatten uh, the face of a longer board, I notice that my my especially my smoothing planes, if it's kind of like a, I'm trying to go in for that last one, and I actually have run into this with my jointer, it will actually deflect it just enough that I have this really weird surface as a result. Like suddenly the plane stops making contact where there's no reason why it shouldn't be making contact. <laughs> right. 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 So th- that's my, that's been the one thing that I've been I, I hate absolutely 100 percent why I'm looking at, you know, I've got the wood now. I just need to find the time to make the, the solid surface. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think that's what it ultimately comes down to. The reason you want a flat surface is so that you've got good support on your entire workpiece while you're working it. Yeah. But how often do you work with a workpiece that covers the entire bench top? Right. Yeah. You know, that's a very so. Good point. We we all find we all have that little area. Well, maybe we don't. Mark probably doesn't because his bench is brand new. But there's always that little spot on the bench that's slightly off. Now, do I whip out my joiner plane and flatten everything down to that section? No, I just don't work in that section. You yeah. know, I've got I've got a two foot by eight and a half foot long bench. Um, the area right by my tail vise is dead flat, but I've got a little area down on the other end where um, it's not quite as flat. You know, kind of. 
um, angles off to the edge, but I don't ever work on that back corner. So it doesn't have to be that flat. So really, mm-hmm. if you've got like a you know four a four foot straight edge, and you can get a flat area. I'm not talking pulling out feeler gauges and trying to put a feeler <laughs> gauge under the. You know, can you see light under that straight edge? Good, walk away. You know, yeah. Um, yeah. And and that's really it. And if you've got little, I still have a few furrows in one part of my bench from my four plane that I just never bothered to plane out because it's flat. You know, so um, I think we do we do obsess over it a little bit too much. And yeah. you know, it, it, like you said, you could work one end of it, which is what I've I found myself doing more and more is you know taking it to that that one particular edge. Or another thing I've done to kind of get over it, and this is kind of going on a tangent here, is I've taken one of those uh, like melamine uh, shelves, uh, you know, the the pre made ones, mm-hmm. and I've actually mm-hmm. set that down and used that kind of as a a reference so that if I do have a longer piece, it doesn't deflect nearly as much as I'm having with the workbench because I find myself I'm like, all right, I have this one little area that I can work on that I know will be dead flat. It reminds me of how I've always had to sleep in my own bed, especially when the kids were younger and everybody else took up the bed and had plenty of room. Dad got the edge of the bed. And that's the way I feel with the workbench at the moment is nice. dad has to work off the edge of the workbench because nothing else in the middle works. Yeah. You know, I would also recommend that he, he's going to have to put a little bit more thought into the engineering of the base uh, to just make sure that he's got good cross support in the center, Um, you know, probably cross stretchers all the way across so that there's just no opportunity for that thing to sag under its own weight at some point. Uh, Then he's going to have to make it, you know, nice and square and level and keep it level because if you put it on an unlevel surface, then you may have one corner that's going to start weighing down uh, so that that's probably going to be the ongoing challenge for him. But it certainly can, I think as you know, bottom line, I think what we're getting out of this is, yeah, you can have a serviceable bench made out of a, a plywood sandwich like that. Um, yep. All right, let's move on to uh, one of these last ones. I don't have room or well, time for a third. Actually, before we leave that, there <clears throat> yeah. is one other part here, which I think is interesting of this original question. Okay. He said, the guy he's building this for wants to emulate a Rubo-ish bench without spending a ton of money. Um, again, if you're going to go with a good quality plywood you know, a $65 to $70 a sheet plywood. I'm think I'm t- talking shop plywood here, not like cherry-faced veneer or anything mm-hmm. like that. You know, and you're going to get four of those sheets. You figure, what is that, like $240 at minimum? You're um, already heading into solid lumber cost. <laughs> I mean, speaking speaking from someone who actually sells Rubo Bench Work Pack, Rubo Workbench lumber pack well, unless he's going like a 24 inch depth he can get two pieces out of each one so he would only have to buy yeah. two yeah i guess that's true but i i think that there's a there's a bit of a misconception you know because well, you when don't it's all have said to and go done, out and yeah. buy five dollar a board foot lumber for this yeah you if, know, if you can go can to get, the home um, center and buy the him fur or the southern yellow pine whatever is in your your neighborhood and do that um, right. I mean, I sell complete workbench packs for $500 and that's using six by six Doug fur. You can build the entire thing out of that. Um, so I, I would, I would question that there's probably ways there. I know there's ways to do it cheaper than $500. Yeah. Um, yeah. you just got to pick your, your stock, right. You know, it doesn't have to be out of zebra wood. Why or not? Purple heart, like that one <laughs> picture I got, that was awesome. Purple yeah. heart workbench. No kidding. All right. Uh, you know what? One more, one more email, and then I gotta get running. So, uh, pick one. Larry's. Uh, let's do Larry. Yeah, he's been lingering for a while. No, Larry's been lingering. Let's not do Larry. Let's read Larry's email. Okay, we can do that too. <laughs> okay. Uh, he says, "Hey, Shannon, Mark, and Matt. Uh, I recently built a potato and onion bin, 
Everything turned out better than I actually expected due to shop conditions, clutter from a tornado. Jeez. Oh, yikes. Uh, the customer returned the piece to me today because the because the back had come out. Rather easy fix, but upon inspection, I noticed that the panels that I glued are coming apart only on one end. Uh, only three of the five are doing it. I thought at first, maybe when I glued the carcass up, it was slightly out of square, and I used several clamps to pull it uh, to pull it in and glue the shelf in. Can any of you think of what I may or may not have done to cause this? What steps should be taken to prevent this in the future uh, with future projects? I will try to include pictures of the before and after. Thank you in advance for your answer. Does anyone who received that email remember what the pictures look like? Because <laughs> I don't. That kind of would help with this. I don't um, remember ever seeing pictures. Uh, yeah, I, I do remember seeing this one, and there was there was the panel itself. It was at the very ends of each panel, so at the top and the bottom, where the, you know the, the end end grain is. They had just kind of like popped open, almost like a V shape, like the uh-huh. wood just kind of like. It basically, what I, what I remember thinking as soon as I saw those was the ends dried so much faster than the center that like the glue line basically failed. And it just completely opened up at the ends, but the center stayed completely glued together. Oh, okay, all right. So that okay. was that. So that this was is my... a solid wood panel, and it's that glue line right at the very end has separated. Right. Yeah. At actually, okay. I think it was at the top and the bottom. So yes, yeah, so the center is still glued together. It's two pieces brought together, just a butt joint. And that was my first thought when I saw this one because I, I do kind of remember this, and I was thinking, did did these get like dried? Like where they would near something really warm where they, they, they dry super fast on the ends. I mean, obviously the ends are where things going to dry the fastest. And I think after a little bit more investigation, I think Larry ended up writing back at one point. I'm going to try and pull this um, out. But it, I'm it, looking it was, at the pictures too. I remember, I remember the situation now. Um, it was next to a, a wood burning stove, if I remember right, where like yeah. the, the wood. Yeah. And you oh. see, so you also have a problem whenever you have a glue joint open up you know the only thing you could at that point really suspect is that the glue joint itself is the problem because uh typically the if you have a good bond there and good wood to wood contact and good clamping pressure uh if there's a issue the wood itself is probably going to split before that joint opens up right, um, right so so it's kind of a clue that perhaps it wasn't enough clamping pressure uh perhaps you didn't add enough glue or yeah, you could have starved the joint too uh, you know and sometimes yeah. diff- depends on what season he did this in but sometimes you do that glue up in the middle of winter and it's not warm enough for that glue to set uh, you get that chalkiness in the glue and sometimes it, even if you do everything else right just the temperature alone can uh, make it a very weak bond um, the other thing that I noticed and this is not what he brought up and I remember uh, telling him that, that this could be potentially a problem is the little door on the bin that you pull out. He's got hinges on it, and the hinges are attached to the front panel and also to the little door. And I apologize, this is a very visual thing. Um, The problem is the door's grain runs horizontal, and the panel that it's attached to runs vertical. So he's got those Mm -hmm. hinges attached to this horizontal door as well as the vertical panel. So there's a movement problem there. Um, Mm -hmm. and obviously if this thing doesn't really get exposed to different conditions too much, it shouldn't be too bad, but ultimately by connecting the horizontal panel to the vertical panel via a hinge, it's really no different than the movement problem of gluing a piece horizontal to a vertical piece and the same sort of, uh, wood movement issue that you have there. So at some point or another, he, I don't know that that crack is the result of that, but he start, he may start seeing, excuse me, other problems because of that setup. Right. So Larry. Well, and this is why traditionally a lot of people will spring their panel joints. Yeah. Where you you plane or however you're going to do it, you put a very slight hollow in the center of that glue line. Mm-hmm. 
and then you clamp across the center and you're essentially the clamping pressure pulls out that slight concavity and it closes up the gap in the center and it pulls the tights of the panel really tight because I mean, this is, this is somewhat common for a panel to separate on end, at least in, in antique furniture where glues were not what they are today. Yeah. Um, you will see that through any number of reasons. I mean, it's the end of the panel. You're going to see all the moisture coming and going from that panel. So you're going to see a lot more movement there and failure of that joint. So the, um, the sprung joint is, it's not a mechanical joint, but it's close as you can get to a mechanical butt joint. That extra tension that you've put in the board by springing the center will draw those ends up even tighter. Yep. You know, and look, kind of going at the pictures here again, because of the whole visual thing, I do kind of see where actually where it did separate. You can see the glue actually kind of like still like stringy in between the two panels. Mm, okay. Uh, so interesting. Yeah. All right. Well, hopefully, you know, that gives them a few tips. Uh, Ooh, but it's again, like CSI for woodworking. That it is. <laughs> you know, we should we should answer questions more often. It might actually be useful to people. Yeah, especially more timely because <laughs> yeah. this poor guy has probably built seven more potato. Yeah, bins. He's probably on his tenth potato and onion bin by now. Um, okay, so we are here to empower you. We won't answer your questions, so you have to figure out the answer yourself. <laughs> That's what we're it actually is. helping you in the long run. Ooh, I like that technique. All right, so we do have another question from Kevin. We'll get to that next time. Um, I do <laughs> yes. want to read some of these reviews very quickly, as fast as okay. we possibly can without screwing up the words. Matt, these are uh, iTunes reviews. You want to take the first one? Absolutely. This is from Already Bored. He said, tired of, oh, uh, Already Bored says, tired of ergonomics that are often found in many hobbyist professional podcasts. Well, okay, you're okay, lucky hold on, hold you on, won't hold find on, any of on. that here. Hold on, Mark, hold Matt, on, yep. hold on. Oh, the word is egomaniacs. No, I, I like er, uh, ergonomics. Ergonomics. I'm very ergonomic. <laughs> ergonomics <laughs> okay. is interesting. Well, I'm not an egomaniac, so I'm not going to be too concerned about <laughs> okay. concerned about that. Well, you're in luck because you won't find any of that here. Mark, Matt, and Shannon know their stuff, and if they don't, they're not afraid to admit it. Hugely helpful. Trips. Trip, oh, tips, tricks, advice, and suggestions around <laughs> in every episode. I was trying to combine tips and tricks to tricks. Nice. I like that. Wow. Okay. Next. I don't know if I can do any better than that. <laughs> so Suddenly this is how we're going to start getting one star reviews after this episode. Most likely. Yeah. <laughs> MS Colorado says, great show guys. As always, thank you for all the great info. I really enjoyed your comments on plywood grading and the link because I screw this up all the time. No, oh, good. Maybe now I will slow it down a bit and do some research. I live in the mountains of Colorado and good, reliable plywood is hard to find and very expensive. Looking forward to the next show. Yay. Well, just give, look me up on the web. I can get you plywood in Colorado. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, Baron B, I've just finished listening to every episode. They carried me from uh, Arizona to New North Carolina and helped as I – Helped as I work on getting settled into a new home. Mark, Matt, and Shannon are a joy to listen to. They entertain and inform. They have motivated me to keep branching out and testing my limits. Well, I could have really gone someplace with that testing word. Uh, with the Car Talk guys calling it quits, this trio should be the replacement on NPR. Of course, it would mean doing the yeah. show weekly. And they would probably have to start giving more relationship advice. That's true. I've got some right now. Although not that I think about it, they have already started covering some of that. See? Including, do you sneak the tool into the shop or discuss with the significant other before the purchase? Hmm, nice. Thanks, Baron. <laughs> All right. Stu Paul says, great show, guys. I'm out. That's it. Short and sweet. All I got. Uh, JSL7374 says, it's taken about a year now, but I've finally listened to all the podcasts. Funny thing is, I'm kind of excited about starting over again from the beginning and enjoying the adventure all over again. Can you imagine that? Yowch. <laughs> You're a better man than we are. 
Uh, let's see. Prior to, I'm assuming it's a man, and it may not be. That was not proper. See, that was my problem with the first one too. I'm like, oh, oh, oh. Yeah, just a JSL. But anyway, prior to starting your podcast, I wasn't really interested in the craft. Now I have built a garden shed, an outfeed table, a few cutting boards, and I'm starting my first real hardwood project, a footstool. Thanks for introducing me to a great hobby. How awesome is that? Uh, now he's got some individual messages for us. He says, Mark, thank you for your insight and all the hard work you put into the production to maintain the quality of the podcast. Matt, your humor and approach to woodworking reminds me that I'm at, <clears throat> excuse me, that I'm out there to have fun. And Shannon, as many have said before, great addition to the podcast. And he says, Nicole hey. and Samantha, I think he forgot Heather, uh, <laughs> which means you don't bring up your wife enough in the show, so you need to remedy that. <laughs> uh, your support and tolerance has shown me how important my wife's support of this sometimes exhaustive hobby can be. Uh, so thank you very much, JSL7374. Uh, anyone else who wants to leave us a review, it doesn't have to be five stars, but uh, we generally only read the good ones because we are self-serving. You could go to iTunes and just look us up, type in Wood Talk or Wood Talk Online, and you'll find our entry there under the podcast. And just leave us a, a review and a little comment there, and we'll read it on the show. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, and use big words that will definitely throw me off, like ergonomics or egomaniac. <laughs> yeah. And even if you spell it properly, he still may mispronounce it, so... That's right. That's why, we, that's why we don't say last names on the show. That is true. All right. I think that's it, guys. Let's uh, pinch this one off. And uh, Matt, I guess we have some contact info you can give them. Okay. Let's just do this real quick. We have our voicemail, 623-242-5180. Call in with your questions or comments. Don't forget you can Skype us at Woodtalk Online. And, of course, email us at woodtalkonline at gmail.com. Stop by the forum at woodtalkonline.com where you can find one or all of us. Probably not doing much of anything because we're on the forum. That's true. All right. Yeah. Well, I think that does it for us. Uh, have your woodworkers spayed or neutered. There you go. Because <laughs> we they're dangerous. They are. All right. Peace out. See ya. Good night, everybody. Hey, uh, Mark, uh, Matt, and Shannon. This is Kyle Barton. I just called to give you some of my uh, impressions of the uh, WIA in Pasadena. Um, as you may know, this is my third WIA, and for that reason, it's kind of more of a social event for me than anything else, but um, I did go to the Pasadena event primarily for their uh, emphasis on the uh, green and green, and uh, for that, it did not disappoint. Um, the classes with Jim Ipkachin, however you pronounce that, and David Marks, those were great. And of course, uh, Chris Schwartz was entertaining as always. Um, and um, the Gamble House dinner and marketplace, though, were a bit of a disappointment for me. Uh, the marketplace was kind of slow and um, kind of small, too, and also the Gamble House dinner was, well, it was too dark, to be honest with you. Um, I had it at night, and that house was dark enough, and you couldn't really see anything in it, and then I think they had just way too many people attending that event, too. I heard it was upwards of 125, and that was just too much. Um, but, however, the Gamble, I was lucky enough to go to the Gamble House Joinery Tour, which was a three-hour tour Saturday morning, and that was fantastic. Um, that made for the trip for myself anyway right there. And uh, with that, I have to thank, have to give a big thanks to my new friends, uh, Matt and Christina. They were uh, unfortunate enough to give up their tickets to the joinery tour because they thought the Friday night dinner was going to be the event, which unfortunately it wasn't. And I also have to give a big thanks to Glenn Huey, 
who I ran into Thursday night and was able to tell me there was still a ticket available for that. Um, also want to thank uh, Wilbur and Eric for the uh, Japanese tool discussion we had on Saturday. So uh, from that point of view, you can see that it's it's pretty much, as I said before, a social event for me, but I thought the event overall was fantastic and uh, hope to see everyone next year. Um, and I believe next year is going to be in North Carolina. I'm kind of starting that rumor. Um, I happened to run into a couple of ladies working the booth at the, uh, the registration booth there, and uh, they indicated that next year they're leaning towards having one event and their location. They said they're looking at it's in North Carolina. So we'll see, but I uh, hope to see everyone there. And um, thanks, and uh, love the show. Hey, guys, this is uh, Jeremiah Rodriguez, a.k.a. Sawdust is Like. just wanted to uh, leave some of my thoughts on uh, WIA Pasadena. Uh, for me, this was my first one. I've been wanting to go for a few years. This was the first time the SARS kind of aligned, um, and it uh, all worked out. It was a lot of fun. I'm glad I went. Looking forward to uh, trying to go next year. Um, a lot of really good classes, uh, especially the David Marks classes. I think those were my favorites. Um, it was a lot of fun. It was really cool to, to finally actually get to meet all these guys, you know, that I've been talking to for years and hang out with people that kind of geek out on the same uh, same kind of things that I do. So that that was a lot of fun. Um, Hamtool Olympics was, was another another highlight, I thought, just kind of a good place to hang out and, uh, you know, kind of have a little friendly competition on, on some of these skills. That was a lot of fun there as well. Um, overall, though, I thought it was a, a great production. Um and I'm uh, planning on going again next year. And uh, that's all. Keep up the good work on the show, and uh, we'll see you. Hey, guys, this is Matthew over at Watkins Woodwork, uh, calling in to give you my impressions on woodworking in America, Pasadena style. Uh, as a first-time attendee for the series, uh, I thought it was very interesting. Uh, I had come in uh, keeping an eye on the past few conferences over the last couple of years, and had some expectations that were that were met, that were exceeded, and and some that uh, absolutely just went down the drain. Uh, overall, I would think that, or overall, I thought the the conference was very well uh, put on, and and was a positive uh, experience for myself. Uh, again, as a first time attendee, I I, I really kind of came in hesitantly and and tentatively and and just wasn't really sure where I was going. Uh, you know, I had my, my, my class schedule in hand and knew what I wanted to hit and actually ended up hitting a couple of the, the classes but uh, still popped around from uh, class to class and, and poked my head in and, and got uh, quite a bit of what I was looking for. Um, so the classes were excellent. Uh, you know, the, the popular guys were, were full, David Marks and Chris Wars and the like. Uh, those classes were always full, but even uh, the others that uh, weren't quite as, as well attended were still immensely beneficial. I uh, came away from the classes uh, inspired with new, chip, new tips and tricks that I absolutely have, uh, have already begun to put into practice in the shop only a few days later, uh, so it was amazing. Uh, the vendor area was a little shy for, for what I was expecting. You know, I, I really expected there to be a little bit more uh, but uh, it was still a, a decent uh, showing from the vendors, uh, you know, the big names, Lee Nelson and, and uh, Veritas and whatnot. So it was, it was good there. I uh, still did my, my compulsory uh, spending of the cash to make sure that I have more tools in the shop and wondering where I'm going to put them. So uh, that was a success. And uh, 
Overall, I think the biggest surprise for me was just the amount of uh, camaraderie that uh, that Woodworking in America had. Uh, it didn't really matter who you talked to. Everybody uh, was 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 friendly and warm and welcoming and, and just excited about the craft, about the process, about uh, about anything and everything woodworking. So it was definitely exciting. Uh, the the letdown that kind of went down the drain. Um, I honestly expected a, a larger conference. I expected it to be a little bit uh, a larger population base. Uh, I, you know, I, the word on the street is that the the split between east and west is is somewhat of the cause of that. Um, possible? I don't know. Uh, like I said, where this is the first year, I don't know for sure. Uh, but I definitely expected it to be a little bit a little bit uh, more attended. Um, but aside from that, it was a great experience. Uh, I can't wait to look at it for next year, uh, make sure that I'm there and, and, and the year subsequently after that. So uh, very exciting. And i got to say, the, uh, the guys at the Modern Work Woodworker Association absolutely uh, did a, a bang-up job uh, on their portion. Uh, it was absolutely phenomenal, and, and kudos to them for pulling together the Hand to Olympics. And, uh, and being able to pull that off uh, did an excellent job. So overall, I would say uh, an absolute uh, for anybody that was on the fence really should go um, in the future. If you didn't go this year, definitely make sure that you go next year. And uh, it was it was awesome experience. So thanks a lot, guys. This podcast is part of the Frog Pants Studios Network. For more information about this and other shows, visit frogpants.com. Audio program so good, it's like you're there.